the only thing that'll make me feel better is punching out some cardboard. Welcome to Cardboard and Wine, episode 25. I'm Mamie. And I'm Josh. Grab a glass, pull up a chair, and let's talk about some games. Today on the show, we load up our caravans and head east to the land of colorful cubes. It's the sequel to Spice Road, Century Eastern Wonders. Greetings and salutations. Greetings. How are you? Good. I'm enjoying this lovely spring weather that has descended upon North Carolina. I know. It's amazing, right? We've been, with the time change, we've been playing outside until like 7.30 at night. Yeah. And this is that magical time of year when the weather is spring-like, but the trees have not dumped copious amounts of pollen on us yet. You know, it's starting though. I noticed today, I took the kids on a walk and we were all sniffling when we got back home. Pros and cons. That's kind of the thing about daylight savings time too, is I feel like that Sunday evening was so amazing because of the extra daylight, but then you pay for it the next morning. Yeah, morning is a little rough, but I will take it any day. In honor of this warmer weather, I went a little bit of a different direction with our wine tonight. Yeah, it looks like my red wine was diluted out a little bit. <laughs> What's going on with that? Well, so when it gets a little bit warmer, I like chilled wines, but I don't like sweet wines. So I'm kind of experimenting. Um, and last summer, I discovered that I really like good dry rosés. So I was at the store today looking for wine for, for us to drink tonight on the show. And this bottle just jumped out at me. It's this beautiful, beautiful clear glass bottle with a white kind of lace pattern printed all around the bottle and this pale pink rosé. And it says right here, dry rosé. You should always choose a wine based on the label, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like running shoes. Exactly. So this is the, um, I think it's pronounced Protea. It's P-R-O-T-E-A. Protea? I believe it. Yeah, I, I picked it based on the bottle, but it is also, it says right on here that it's a dry rosé. So let's give it a taste and see what you think. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that was not convincing. No, I would say, I would say it has a dry, a dry flavor, kind of a nice, nice flavor. It is, it is chilled. So I, I agree. It, it's refreshing. See, this is actually, I actually really like this. I mean, it's, it's not a red wine, but it is kind of light and crisp. And it's dry. It's not sweet, even though it's a little fruity. Yeah, I do. I, I don't like a sweet wine, like a dessert wine. But this, yeah, this has a nice balance to it. I think I might enjoy it more if I was sitting, not here in the studio, but out on the back deck. Right. Out on the back deck. on During a, the day. During the day. Spring or summer afternoon. This is perfect. I don't think I'm a nighttime rosé person. Maybe that's it. When it's dark, you need the dark wine. I think so, maybe. But not too dark. I'm very particular. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Well, we should probably move on from the rosé. What actually is this wine? What is... Uh... So, this one is a blend. It's a Morvedra, Shiraz, Sinsalt, and Grenache blend. Yeah, I think we had some Morvedra in the blend last week, too. The... Cashmere. The cashmere, yeah. yeah. It must yeah. be a good blending wine. Yeah, blending I'd, grape. Yeah, I'd be interested in trying straight Morvedra just for fun. I wonder if it's a thing. I've never All seen right, it. We'll have to look for it. Okay, let's look for some more Vedra. All right. Well, Mamie, thank you for picking this up. Uh, even though it's after dark, uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit our, about our gaming over the last couple of weeks. Even though you've been traveling again a little bit, we've gotten in some great gaming experiences. 
Yeah, this has been a little bit of a little spurt of traveling, of work travel. Um, I've had some trips. I'm actually leaving, flying out first thing in the morning, but trying to get this podcast laid down. Um, actually, I really like to e- edit podcasts on the plane. It helps me pass the time. So, Well, you'll be ready now. I know. That's why I was excited to get this recorded. It'll give me something to do to, tomorrow. But yeah, you had some coworkers. You had a, a little game night for some of your school coworkers. Yeah, so we're trying to plan some social events for our for our staff and so I offered to host a game night and rented the clubhouse here in our neighborhood got some pizza we had some people come over I would say probably the highlight of that evening was playing Captain Sonar you know the the good and bad of Captain Sonar is it is the perfect game for eight people to play but you really need eight yeah and not more than eight and not less than eight and not really less than eight you can make it work with less than eight but eight and eight alone is is perfect. And we had eight. We had eight people, and and I don't I don't know that any of them had played it before, except no. maybe you and and me. Yeah, and Jason had seen it and had wanted to play it, but hadn't had a chance yet. Yeah, and so what I have taken to doing when when I teach a new group, Captain Sonar is, and for those that that aren't familiar, uh, Captain Sonar has two teams of four who are commanding. Um, opposing submarines. And the thing that's interesting about Captain Sonar is each member of the team has a different job to do. So you have a captain who directs the submarine where to go, and then you've got uh, the first mate who's helping to arm the different systems, the sonar to try to find the other sub and the weapons. Uh, They've got the engineer who is almost playing this little puzzle game on their own (laughs) that I'm not going to go into now. And then you've got the sonar person whose entire job it is is to listen to the directions of the other captain to try to locate their coordinates so you can fire your own landmines and missiles at at them. And, um, And so I always like to start out introducing this game, there's a turn-by-turn version of the game where where one sub takes a move, like move north, and then you wait, and then the other sub takes their move, move east, and it's very orderly and methodical. I think you have to start that way, but the real fun in that game plays when you're playing real time. Yeah, and you know, you play once, turn-by-turn, and people usually have a pretty good time. Then you say, now we're going to try it real time. And, it and they gets don't believe crazy. you. Like they don't believe that it's possible. But and, it's super fun. But then, yeah, about and this always happens. About fifteen seconds in, everyone's like, "Oh yeah, this is." Several of the people that played with us that night have mentioned it to me at work since and said, "When are we going to get back together and play that Captain Sonar game again?" Because it was a blast. Yeah, such such a fun experience. That's one we've played a couple times at cons. It's a great game to play at cons because it's easy to wrestle up eight people. But you know, certainly if I had a game night and eight people showed up, I you'd would absolutely play. play this at some point for yeah, sure. You'd have to for sure. Uh, we also played Decrypto that night, which was fun. And then, that's a great game. I like that. Um, you know, people often compare it to Code Names. I see why, but to me, it's different enough. Yeah. Actually, I think I enjoy it more than Code Names. Yeah, it's a it's a fun little game. We don't play it more. I don't know. It never jumps out at me on the shelf. But then when we play it, I'm like, yeah, this is a fun game. So that's uh, if you like party style word games that require a little bit of thinking, Crypto. I could certainly recommend that one. Yeah, it's fun. Just last weekend, I got to have a few girls over to play games. You were uh, was when you were out of town, and my friend Megan came and taught me a couple new games. We played. Uh, survive Escape Atlantis, which I enjoyed. Never played that one. No, it was really fun. There's little meeple sharks and whales and sea monsters. 
Oh, meeple sharks. Yeah, they're do, really do, 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 just do, do, do. the <laughs> just the fin is all that sticks up above the water. But nice meeple shark fins. Meeple shark fins. They're really cool. Um, but the one that I actually really found really interesting, and I think my family might like it, is a collaborative game where you are firefighters trying to put out a fire and rescue people from a house. It's called Flashpoint Fire Rescue. And Heard of that one. It was I've a lot of fun. That. Well, we'll have to get Megan to bring it so you can play it. I really enjoyed it. And you come from a family of firefighters. I do. So I, I think we should maybe take that one and try it with them. And because it's collaborative, you can kind of talk each other through it the first playthrough. Yeah, that is the advantage of a collaborative game, I think. Yeah, it was super fun. Oh, that's really great. Um, a couple of sort of gaming news things that I found to be pretty cool. One, you know, we talked about Wingspan on the show a couple episodes ago, and we've actually still been playing that. If This would be like a broken record. I always look at our plays from since the last episode. It's like, oh, we played Wingspan some more. <laughs> <laughs> The other night, I remember we had some friends over, and I had these all these games out on the table that I was thinking, oh, we could play this, we could play that. And then everybody shows up and says, let's play Wingspan. Let's play Wingspan, So, which was great. I actually would not turn down a game. Um, but anyway, there was a great article in the New York Times this week about Wingspan and about Elizabeth Hargrave, um, the designer. And I, as a scientist, I appreciated her scientific interest of birds and data and spreadsheets that led to the creation of this this game. So, Yeah, interestingly, one of the science teachers at my school picked that article out as well. And I know she does an article of the week with her class that highlights STEM careers. And this week, she was going to talk about game design as a STEM career. Yeah, no, that is very cool. And it was just great to see, you know, this game, Elizabeth Hargrave and Stonemeyer Games have put out that's so good, get that broader uh, exposure and recognition. And it was just sort of cool to be reading an article in the New York Times that was referencing Castles of Burgundy and Race for the Galaxy. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so that was just, that was really cool. Gaming is definitely going a little more mainstream. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mamie, we are going to return to a segment we introduced a few episodes ago where we look back at a game that we have previously discussed. We're going to break a game out of the cellar. Ooh, all right. What are we bringing out of the cellar this week? All right, Mamie. Well, I thought it was only appropriate that we revisit Century Spice Road. Ah, okay. When did we record? When was our last episode on Century Spice Road? About a year ago? Yeah, about a year ago. I cheated a little bit. We actually uh, talked about Century Spice Road back in episode nine, and that was in June of 2018. But okay. not thought, quite a year, but not that's quite okay. A year, but I thought, what a what a better time to talk about it <laughs> than the episode where we talk about its sequel, Century Eastern Wonder. So I think some of this discussion can frame our discussion that we have in just a few minutes on Century Eastern Wonders. So Mamie, just to refresh your memory, I went back and looked at what we had to say about Century Spice Road almost a year ago. You said that it was a top choice on a school night and one that we pull off the shelf quite a bit for just the two of us. You were a little worried that it might get repetitive over time, uh, but you gave it a four out of five. You thought we would get a lot of plays out of it in the future. And you did mention that you were excited about the upcoming Century Eastern Wonders. So how do you feel now? I mean, I think that still stands. Um, I think it is still a game that's a good choice for a school night. I've, you know, we'll talk a little more about Eastern Wonders. I think it's done a little bit to uh, mitigate that fear that it might get repetitive um, now that we can combine the two. But I would still give it a solid four. Yeah, just sticking with the base, Century Spice Road, stick with a four? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I would still give Century Spice Road a four. Yeah, we actually, we played it the other night. We broke yeah. it back out. We haven't played it a ton just because we've been playing so many different 
games, but I would, I mean, I think it's still one that we really enjoy. It plays well with two players. It's still a solid four. Yeah. So, so I said, I looked back at my comments on the game and I largely agreed with, with most of what you had to say that Spice Road was certainly a game that fits into our wheelhouse of games that we tend to play often. Like what you said, Mamie, the fact it plays well with two and it's quick to set up and quick to, to play a game means it's a game we'll probably play a lot. Uh, we talked a little bit about comparing it to Splendor as it often gets compared. Um, I mentioned then that I like Splendor more. I think that's probably still true for me, but I tell you, uh, and I gave it a four out of five also. You know, it's weird. I feel like after we... You know, we reviewed the game and it went on the shelf and we got a lot of new games. And I think this one was a little bit forgotten about by us. And in preparation for, for this episode, when we started playing Eastern Wonders again, we broke out Spice Road and played it again. And, you know, I, I have to admit, I wasn't super excited. It felt more like work, like, uh, <laughs> we have to we play this play game. Got to play this game. <laughs> how bad is that? <laughs> um, but I tell you what, like we were playing it. It's and I fun. Started, yeah, you know how sometimes when you play a game, you're in the middle of it and you sort of get that little excited feeling like, hey, this is really a great game. This is pretty good. I kind of got that feeling. I was like, oh, yeah, this is a really good game. So uh, so I'm going to stick with my four for sure. I think this one holds up and I still like it. All right. So it's still a solid four. All right, Mamie. Well, why don't we go ahead and transition into discussing our game of the week, Century Eastern Wonders. Sounds good. Century Eastern Wonders is the follow-up to the highly popular Century Spice Road designed by Emerson Matsuchi and published by Plan B Games in 2018. In Eastern Wonders, players engage with some familiar components to Spice Road, most notably cool little plastic bowls filled with spice cubes of increasing value, yellow, red, green, and brown. Unlike Spice Road, there are no cards, but instead gameplays driven by players moving their wooden boat around the modular board and building trading outposts, giving players the ability to trade cubes for other cubes in different combinations, just like the market cards in Spice Road. Building these outposts also gives players increasing amounts of points, and in some cases special bonus tiles that confer a special ongoing bonus or some in-game points. Players attempt to collect specific sets of spice cubes to trade in at port spaces on the board, allowing them to claim point tiles. The first person to collect four point tiles triggers the end of the game, and the most points is the winner. Now, intriguingly, Century Eastern Wonders can be played on its own, of course, but it can also be combined with the components of Century Spice Road to form a similar but unique third game called Century from Sand to Sea, which we will discuss briefly in just a bit. But for now, let's talk about Century Eastern Wonders. Mamie, I think this is obvious after we talked about our thoughts of, of Spice Road that we were already looking forward to Eastern Wonders based on our enjoyment of that game, but... I guess that sort of answers what drew us to this game initially. Yeah, I mean we were we definitely enjoy playing Spice Road and so we were, you know, we were looking forward to Eastern Wonders when it came out just because we like the other edition, but you know, I I'm trying to remember is this the one that we bought directly from Plan B Games at the con when we got right up to the table and missed out on Reef? Yeah, that was we sort of got this one as a consolation prize to ourselves. <laughs> uh, I think we might have told that story previously, but at Dice Tower Con, we ran into the exhibit hall and made a beeline for the Plan B Games table because we were hoping to get a copy of Reef. Well, it wasn't exactly a beeline because we we went the wrong way. We failed to look at the map ahead of time. It, well, we were the curvy part of the B if we were going a beeline. We're we're doing better with our maps this year. 
Yeah. Uh, so we got there and like literally the person in front of us in line got the very last copy. And so we'd waited in line and we, I guess, didn't want to go home empty handed and they had uh, a number of copies of Century Eastern Wonders. So we bought that <laughs> instead. And brought it home and it sat on our shelves for quite a while before we ever broke it out. You know, people often talk about having a shelf of shame of games that they have not even played yet that they've purchased but not played. I'm pretty proud that we have very few games that we, we have own a that very small played. shelf of shame. We do, yeah. And really, actually, I think there are only two games that we had not played. Um, the Gallerist is one of them, which I really want to play. Yeah, I know. I don't know why we haven't bought, played that one. Um, but Century Eastern Wonders, we never even opened it until about a month ago. And I don't know, just one night, I think I was bored. <laughs> it's like, you yeah. should play this game. There's just something fun about getting a new game and opening it. And I was sort of jonesing for uh, opening a new game. <laughs> and I realized I had a new game <laughs> that I hadn't opened. Hey, let's play this game we already have instead of buying something else new. I had a new. stressful day at work. And so I said, "What? the only thing that will make me feel better is punching out some cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, yeah, we recently played it. And then I'm like, well, why have we waited so long? Because we've had a lot of fun playing it over the last month or so. And, and the other thing I wanted to say about uh, about this too is one thing that was really special about Dice Tower Con when we bought this game. I think maybe you actually were taking a nap or something, but um, I had the chance to to wander by the Plan B booth, and Emerson Matsuchi, the designer of Century Spice Road and Reef, uh, was at the booth, and he actually um, taught. I think we mentioned this on the show. He taught me how to play Reef. I got to play a game of Reef with Emerson Matsuchi, and he is one of the nicest people I've met. He's so great. So it makes it a lot easier to enjoy and support a game when you know the person who uh, put his effort into it is just a nice human being. So let's talk a little bit about the components of Century Eastern Wonders. I mean, the components of this game are fantastic. I kind of love everything about it. You know, it has those same cool little bowls that hold the, they're not all spices this time. What are the different goods that you're trading? Yeah, so we should mention the colors are exactly the same. The colors same, right? are the same. So if the, you don't care at, at all, <laughs> you don't need to know. But I was I was amused at the fact that they are in the rule book and in the iconography different. There's, uh, I believe the yellow is ginger and the red is chili. And then the green is green tea. Oh. And the brown, I believe, are cloves. Cloves. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, they're the same color cubes, but they come with the same awesome little bowls and the same cubes. But what's different with this is there are new meeples that are introduced. There's a ship. So you have your really cool little ship meeple. And then you have what are called outposts, and they, they kind of look like little pagodas, but for some reason in my head, I keep thinking they're people. Um, but they're just these other really well-made little wooden meeples, and the colors are really awesome. They're a real vibrant pink and blue and white and black. Those are kind of the four-player colors. There's no green, and I don't usually love pink. I'm not a pink girl, but I really like, it's like a fuchsia pink, and so I've, I've been playing with the pink lately. I really like those. Yeah, I imagine there's no green because they probably didn't want to duplicate a color of cube. Yeah, that would be probably confusing. Plus the the tiles are mostly kind of green in their background, green blue yeah, sort in of their ocean, background. Uh, yeah, each of the tiles. So I guess if we think about thematically what, what the game is trying to recreate. recreate for you is that you are traders on a ship and you're sailing to these little island markets. And so the tiles do look like uh, the, the borders are oceans. And then on each of the tiles, uh, the majority of which are these market tiles, um, there's a little artwork of a market. And on that market, 
is iconography that shows trading of certain combination of cubes for a certain other combination of cubes. So, you know, if you've played Century Spice Road, these are immediately will be immediately obvious to you. Um, but one thing I love about the the cardboard components is they could have made these hexes. I mean, for all intents and purposes, the board is made up of these different market tiles and port tiles that are sort of hexagonal shape, but they're wavy. They sort of have this wavy shape that actually fits together pretty nicely. Um, and, and even the point tiles that go on each of the port tiles, these are what you're trying to collect. Um, they're kind of this like interesting shape. They're not just a yeah, they're standard not- shape. Uh, it's hard to explain, but just that subtle uniqueness of the tile shapes is quite pleasing to me. Yeah, they're really, really beautiful in the way they fit together. It's just unique. Yeah, I'll say the only thing that is a slight negative to me is as nice as the cardboard is and the colors are on these these tiles, the player board where your little outpost pagodas sit that each player has is basically just cardstock paper. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me why that's not made of that same nice thick cardboard that the tiles are. Yeah, I would say the production of this game would be perfect if those happen to be a thicker cardboard. I have no idea. And that's actually a pet peeve. I don't know why games have (laughs) all these awesome wood and cardboard components, and then they give you a player mat that's basically paper. I feel like there's several games that have been like that. It's just like the tiny cards. Yeah, I can't decide which I like. I think I like tiny cards less, but (laughs) it's close. It's a toss-up. All right, well, let's talk about the gameplay. We started talking a little bit about it. So not only are there not tiny cards, they're not cards at all in Eastern Wonders like there are in Spice Road. Can I say that I really appreciate a game with no cards? I know know that's a weird thing. Um, I always think about this when we play Venus, is there are no cards in it. There are tiles and cubes and wooden bits. I think with cards, I'm always afraid they're going to get bent or messed up somehow. I just like the the tactile feeling of not cards, <laughs> not having fair. to deal with a hand yeah. of cards. But yeah, no cards in this one. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's a. I'm a weirdo though. No, it's okay. I think it's a cool feature. Um, and but what they've done with this game is they've sort of replaced the cards in Spice Road with these tiles. So. You know, it's fairly easy to pick this up if you've played Spice Road. Actually, it's fairly easy even if you haven't. But gameplay is fairly simple. On your turn, you're going to choose to either move your boat to an adjacent tile. You can actually stay where you are if you want. And if you want to go more than one tile, then you're going to place a cube on the board. And if you happen to land where somebody else's boat's located, then you have to pay them a cube. But once you land on a tile, then you have a couple of options. You can, if it's a market tile, which is what most of the board is, uh, you can choose to build an outpost there if you don't have an outpost yet. If there's not an outpost there already, it's totally free. We should mention, though, there are four different types of market tiles, and those are denoted by the four spice symbols. And as you said, those are ginger, chili, tea, and cloves. So you take an outpost from the leftmost space on your player board from the row with that spice symbol and you place it out. And then underneath each of those outposts on your player board, there's a number of victory points. So the more of those outposts you place, the more victory points you get at the end of the game. Yeah. And, and you know, so it's it's kind of neat, the dual nature, uh, a dual benefit, I guess, of putting those outposts out. Not only does having an outpost enable you to use the trading function of that tile, but also, as you mentioned, you get more points the more that you put out. Uh, but one interesting twist on that is these outposts are coming from your, your player mat. And I think you start with, in, in the game of 
Eastern Wonders, you start with 20, and they're arranged in four rows of five. But every time you empty a column of one of those columns of four, you get to choose a bonus tile. And these bonus tiles give you a special ongoing effect. So, for example, there's one of the bonus tiles that enables you, Mamie, you mentioned that you can move one space for free. There's one bonus tile that enables you to move an extra space for free. So you can move your boat out, boat around a little more quickly. Your boat gets faster. It gets faster. It's like a motor for your boat. Exactly. Um, and then there's another one. We should mention too, one of the ways you get cubes is when you land on one of those market tiles, you can either use the market tile to trade cubes in or you can just take an, a harvest action and that just enables you to get two more cubes. But there is a bonus that enables you to also get a red cube in addition to the two yellows. So it kind of upgrades your ability to get cubes. And there's a couple others like that. There's one that enables your capacity. Um, like Spice Road, you can hold up to 10 cubes. It enables you to hold more than 10 cubes. Or there are some that are just straight victory points. Yeah, so as Josh was saying, when you land on one of those outposts, you have the option to take the action that's denoted. And those are very similar to what's on the cards in Spice Road. So as Josh mentioned, when you land on one of those tiles and you have an outpost there, you can take the action that's there, which is uh, very similar to what's on the cards in Spice Road. It allows you to trade a cube or a couple cubes for different cubes. And the object is the same. You're trying to get a certain set of colored cubes and then get to a port and trade those in for a victory point token, basically. And and those move around as you take one, you replace it. So they're kind of always different objectives that are out there that you, you could be going for. And in the end, it basically boils down to the player with the most points, either from the outposts that they've put out on their board, from bonus points that they've gotten by completing columns, and by those victory point tokens that they've traded in their cubes for. Yeah, so Mamie, what what are your favorite things about Eastern Wonders? You know, what I like about this game are some of the same things that I like about Spice Road. You know, we've already talked about it being easy to learn, but, you know, not too intense. Um, it's a good one to break out on a weeknight. I think while it has a lot in common with Spice Road, I think that there's enough different that it's worth having both in our collection. And I really love the fact that you can blend the two. I mean, I think that is super cool. It adds a layer of kind of diverse replayability. And also the the history geek in me kind of loves the idea that this is a series of games that's roughly mirroring the history of trade. It actually got me thinking, though, I wonder, so the third edition, it already they've already released that the third edition is going to be The New World, which I assume is going to be the Americas. Um, and I'm curious what the goods will be. I'm sure it's going to be tobacco, but I oh, wonder what... Are you calling what, it? you calling tobacco I'm call, for the brown? It, it's definitely tobacco for the brown. All right. Well, you heard it here. Yellow, I'm going to say corn. Maybe corn. Um, I was trying to think sugar. Yeah, but it's got to be red or green. You got to stick with well, the... Well, you know... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. It'll be interesting. Pumpkins. No. no. I was thinking like, you know, sugar, indigo. Kale. These, these are... <laughs> Kale is the good of From the New World. That'll be the Millennium Edition. <laughs> Kale, acai berries. <laughs> oh, goodness. That's the newest one, huh? The fourth edition. The fourth edition, yeah. Each cube gets more valuable as its antioxidant level increases. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. 
You know, I'll say one thing that I like about the game, uh, and this is a little bit comparison to Century Spice Road, maybe one thing I like more about Eastern Wonders is I feel like in Century Spice Road, there's really only one strategy. I mean, I guess... I mean, I guess there could be multiple. There could be multiple ways you try to build an engine, but but a problem I have with Spice Road is I feel like your ability to get the cards that give you more cubes, like those cards, at least in our plays, seem to be the most sought after and super powerful. And if you happen to snatch some of those really great cards that give you like a green cube or four yellow cubes, and the other pro- player doesn't really get many of those. I have found it's really hard to overcome that. And in fact, in our plays of Spice Road, I mean, we immediately ditch a bunch of cubes to try to nab one of those. But here, you know, the way you get cubes is the same for everyone. It's it's equal. You just can choose to get two yellow cubes. And all of the exchanges are open to everyone. It's all open to everyone. That's right. Um, there is some benefit to getting there earlier, but that adds a little extra strategy. Like, well, which direction am I going to go? So I think I like that, that it takes away some of that imbalance of who happens to get the the cube production cards. Um, but the other thing that I really like about it is I feel like there are, and I feel like we're starting to just uncover this, there's some different ways to go about trying to win. So obviously, you know, the most obvious one is to try to get four of the most valuable point tiles. I mean, that is a primary way you get points. But the other night, Mamie, you know, it was clear to me you were going to be ahead of one step ahead of me getting point tiles. So I just completely switched gears and started dumping as many outposts on the board as I could because the more of those you get out, the more points you get. And I got some of those bonus tiles. And I think I ended up squeaking out a victory by yeah, trying a completely different strategy that did not even focus as much on getting those those higher value point tiles. And that actually made me more excited to play the game. Like, you know, while this is not a complex game, the fact that, oh, there's sort of a separate victory track you could go on uh, besides just the the obvious one of collecting those point tiles. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say that that adds a layer of complexity that makes the game much more enjoyable. Uh, so anything you don't like about Eastern Wonders? You know, I really, I honestly, I, I tried to think about this long and hard. And other than those player boards, which don't bother me as much as they bother you, I really can't think of anything that I dislike. What about you? Yeah, I think I might. Yeah, I think I might kind of be the same way. Um, I mean, this is not this is not a game that I would play. I would not go to a game night to play just this game. You know, I certainly like a heavier, meatier game, but for what it is, um, for kind of a sort of a weeknight filler type game or a warm up game, yeah, that actually brings up to me. I mean, which do you like more? Do you like this game or Spice Road? That's an interesting question. I think I think I like Eastern Wonders more. Um, we have had a chance to play them together, which was really interesting. I, I like that. I mean, that's a, just a cool concept to me that these games can be mixed and mingled and that you can play them together or individually. Yeah, actually, let's talk about that really quick, and then we can discuss which one we like the best. Um, but we have had the opportunity to try out the Sand to Sea version, where you combine components from both games. Uh, you don't combine all the components, but you actually do create a row of the market cards from Spice Road. So um, in the combined game, you can actually use the markets from the tiles, but you can also choose to take the market cards and use those to trade or upgrade your cubes. Um, the other kind of key difference is in Eastern Wonders, you move your boat once for free or you can spin cubes. Um, there's no free movement in the combined game, but you actually discard cards from your hand 
to move your boat. So, um, so that's a little bit different, but Mamie, what do you think about the combined game? I thought it was super interesting. We haven't played the, the sand to sea a lot. Um, and so I feel like I haven't totally wrapped my head around all the different layers of complexity that are there. It definitely adds, you know, you were talking about how just in Eastern Wonders, there's a couple potential kind of paths to victory. And I think with Sand to Sea, there's even another layer because there's, you know, trying to get those market cards, but then you still sort of have the different objectives of getting your outposts out and getting the victory points from collecting the tokens from the board. So it's there's kind of a an added layer of complexity there that was really a lot of fun. I want to play it again for sure in the near future, but I liked it. I I don't know that it's necessarily that much more interesting to me than just playing Eastern Wonders, but it's, you know, I like that there's kind of more options there. I agree. I like that there's one extra layer of things to think about and you can individualize your own game a little more by, you mentioned in Eastern Wonders, everyone has access to the same tiles at all times. Whereas here you can choose to snatch up some cards from the market row that only you will be able to use. But, you know, I had a good time playing it. I like that we have the variety to mix and match. I think it's probably one of those things where if we're in a century mood, you know, we maybe will just decide, do you want to do Spice Road or Eastern Wonders or the Sand to Sea? I would almost say the combined one is not even necessarily that much more complicated to play. It's just slightly different rule tweaks. Uh, it's kind of just what you're in the mood for. Really, the only thing that's a downside to me for that one is if I'm playing Spice Road or Eastern Wonders, I probably want a quick game. And having to get two boxes out and two <laughs> sets of components to set it up yeah. might be enough of a detriment that we probably won't play the combined game nearly as often as we would play one of the other base games. I mean, I will say Century Spice Road probably can't be beat for ease of setup. One thing we didn't talk about with the components with this, because we talked about it with Spice Road, is how easily it all fits in the box and how easy it is to all get out of the box because you don't have to separate all the cubes and find, you know, they're all in their little bowl ready to just lift out and put on the table. I have to say super impressed by both games that you can keep the cubes, not even in a baggie. All right. Just keep the cubes loose in the bowl and the way it all goes back in the box. I store the boxes on their side. The cubes don't fall out. Yeah. It's impressive. Yeah. Unlike Splendor where all those, token. All yeah, those the, chips always fall yeah, out. Yeah, the chips are always scattered and have to be reorganized. All right, Mamie. Well, I think we have talked quite a bit about um, Century Spice Road, Century Eastern Wonders, uh, Century Sand to Sea. I'd be curious, what's your favorite? Out of the three, I think Eastern Wonders is my favorite. I think, you know, Sand to Sea is fun and interesting. Spice Road, we really enjoy. Maybe it's just because we've been playing it the most recently, but I really like the complexity of Eastern Wonders. I like the little added points that come from putting your outposts out. Uh, I like that it's a little bit less luck because everybody has access to all the trading components as opposed to it depending on what comes out of the cards. So I think Eastern Wonders is at the top for me. What about you? Yeah, you know, I'm tempted to say the same thing. I have enjoyed Eastern Wonders a lot more than I thought. I think one reason why we didn't open it for so long is, I don't know, I was just afraid there wasn't a whole lot left 
more to offer from Spice Road. And so I don't know, I just wasn't that excited to open it. But then once I did, you know, it's beautiful and I've had a lot of fun playing it. I don't know if just because it's new, but uh, I think I agree with you. I think I'm probably enjoying Eastern Wonders more. It's probably the one I would choose. That being said, you know, when we broke Spice Road out the other night, I just had a good time playing that one too. So I'm almost surprised to say it, but I'm glad we have both. And I think we would probably play both, but I'd probably put Eastern Wonders slightly ahead and I'd probably put Sand to Sea last on my list for now. That sounds right to me. All right. So thinking about Eastern Wonders, what would be your final thoughts and rating? So just as a reminder, our Cardboard and Wine rating scale is a 1 to 5 wine rating scale. So a 1 is an empty bottle, sad and disappointing, ready to be thrown out in the recycle bin. 2 is a 2-buck chuck. If you don't have anything else lying around, it might do the trick. A 3 would be like a wine in a box. There's some things you like, but maybe some things you don't like. A 4 would be like this nice, crisp, cold rosé on a warm day. Uh, Easy to enjoy regularly and you've poured a glass, you look forward to enjoying it some more. And then a five would be a big, bold California cab that's only going to get better with age. Mamie, where does Century Eastern Wonders fall for you? So for me, very much like Spice Road, it is a solid four. There's a lot that I enjoy about it. I definitely think we'll play it some more. It's it's just a good, solid, fun, easy to play on a weeknight kind of game. What about you? I have to agree. And I really didn't think I was going to feel this way about it before we opened it, but it really surprised me. It is on its own a great game. I mean, I really thought, I mean, Century Spice Road, it's not that complicated of a game. How could there be a sequel to Century Spice Road? Uh, But it is unique enough that I think it's an interesting twist that I actually enjoy separate from Century Spice Road. The fact you can combine them is interesting. I'm glad we could do that if we wanted to. Uh, I don't know how much we will, but I love, love, love the components. They're so nice. And Plan B Games just did such an amazing job producing this game that it's just a joy to to play. So I'm going to also give it a four. All right. And maybe when the third, when the new world comes out a year from now, we will come back and revisit this one. That sounds like a good plan. And I think you actually from what I understand, we'll be able to combine all three. That's Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah. All right. Thank you all for listening to Cardboard and Wine, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. For show notes, links, and other fun info about the games we discuss on the show, you can visit our website at cardboardandwine.com. If you have feedback on the show or suggestions for a future show, you can send us a tweet at Board and Wine, email us cardboardandwine at gmail.com, or you can jump right into our guild on Board Game Geek. You can leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you, and it will help new listeners find the show. All right, Mamie. Until next time. Cheers Cheers and happy happy gaming. gaming.